Hello, welcome back. This is Heavy Typing. I'm Frank Hagen. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast so far. It's gone over quite well, I think, considering that we're a part of a very small niche in this world. If you're interested in contacting me, asking a question, something you want me to talk about before I do another reading, you can email me at info at heavytyping.com. This week, we're going to be getting into Chapter 7 of my novel, Marked for Harm, Coriander. Strange and somewhat ironic that all I have now is sleep, but at that moment, sleep didn't seem like it was going to happen. It was too late for that. My wounds, both of the body end of the psyche, required rest, but anxiety kept it from settling in. Instead, I had gone back to my apartment to grab another stack of folded bills from the shoebox. After that, I killed some time taking the long way to the train station. I used a kiosk to buy a round-trip ticket to a quiet suburb located about an hour and a half away on the commuter line. My dead thoughts were zombie thralls slogging about in 10,000 directions for banished reason. From a torn seat on the train, I looked out at the crumbling brick buildings. Exhaustion was taking over. Before allowing me to flee their torturous chateau, one of the cloaked and hooded clerics, wearing black neoprene gloves, had shown me where to go, pointing to the back cover of a battered, empty VHS box. The adult film it had used to house was titled Tongue and Cheek, It seemed to be an ordinary low-budget porno, the sort I would have appeared in once upon a time. The anonymous adherent had further indicated silently, with a gloved finger, small type at the bottom of the box, below the pointless plot summary. There was a copyright registered to Ham Passion Studio, and there was also an address. I was sure this was a residence, being in an area I wouldn't have expected to have commercial zoning. I suspected that this was a very small company, maybe even one person, operating out of someone's home, a low-key distributor. On the train and determined to stay awake, I of course fell asleep, but not for too long. It seemed like only a few minutes. I woke up and it was drizzling outside. The windows were specked with lines of scattered raindrops and everything outside appeared to be damp. When the train arrived at my stop, I took a car service and had them drop me off another 20 minutes from the station at a split-level house. I went up the front steps to the porch. Taped to the inside of the glass storm door was a handwritten sign instructing visitors and delivery persons with packages to use the side entrance. The author included a fat arrow depicting the appropriate side. I went around the garage following the arrow and let myself into the backyard through the fence gate and rang the bell on the side door. A yellow cat watched me from below a bush. Coriander let me inside without asking any questions. The immaculateness of this home made me feel strangely nervous. Maybe it was my exhaustion. The layout was pretty much exactly out of a magazine you might read while waiting in a doctor's office. I had the feeling that no one really lived there. 
even the way the ordinary things were arranged seemed staged. For instance, the way the telephone was placed on an end table next to a green and burgundy couch. The furniture was classic 1960s, everything was square with hard edges. A box of tissues sat on a glass coffee table. An unused dog toy lay in the middle of the carpet, and the carpet had that brand new smell to it. Coriander herself was not exactly womanly. She had hard features and a shapeless, almost boxy body with bulges in unexpected places. Her skin was poreless and had a sheen to it like some kind of plastic or vinyl. Without doubt, when she wound up undressing for me, it was nothing I had ever experienced. And yet she also had a kind of charm. Perhaps, again, it was my exhaustion, but I followed her around without question. I saw nothing in the house that jumped out to me as being anything remotely important, let alone the book. I know what you want, she said. Impossible, I said with a bit of a laugh. I want too many things. Coriander smiled and leaned against the wood-paneled living room wall. Our interaction was extremely awkward, from my point of view anyway. They're all just one thing, ultimately, she said in response. Maybe, I replied. I've actually come for something that I don't personally care much about. Coriander went across the room to the bar and poured me a double shot of whiskey. You have guessed my drink of choice, I said. I do not guess, she replied, matter-of-factly. She handed the glass to me and took my hand with a stoic grip, leading me into a den. Wall-to-wall shelves were filled with VHS tapes and DVDs. I drank the whiskey as she handed me video after video starring herself. Each of the covers featured her face in various states of whorish ecstasy superimposed over stylized explosions, psychedelic colors, and clouds. All the movies were produced by my host, Ham Passion Studios. All starring your favorite spice, Coriander, she said with a composed laugh. Every one of these was filmed in this house, she explained. You're quite prodigious, I said. You're being modest, but you don't have to spare my feelings. I am well aware of your work. She ejected an audio cassette from the stereo and sorted through a stack of tapes before putting another one in. She pushed play and danced awkwardly, continuing to look through the stack of tapes. I love to set a mood, she said. You're into films and music, but what are your thoughts on literature? I said searching for a way to discuss the book with unsolicited humor. I hate to read. Everyone hates to read. Probably true, I said, looking around the house as I followed her around. And yet they continue to write. She had no curves, but shimmied and bounced her shoulders to the beat of the music. She laughed again. We have a couple books, I guess, she said. Her alien smile was disarming. I felt odd standing in that house, drinking that whiskey and listening to that music, chaperoned by this unfamiliar creature, Coriander. But I found myself becoming aroused by her nonetheless. Whatever Coriander was, she was a worse flirt than even myself. There is some expression that applies here. 
live by the sword, die by the sword, possibly, but that isn't quite it. Everyone's favorite college roommate, Nietzsche, once expounded on the dangers of becoming a monster while fighting monsters. I think that was him anyway, but that isn't it either. Regardless, like so many of us, I had habits that were hard to override. My penchant for casual sexual encounters seemed to be something I effortlessly fell into. Then again, I did purposely journey into this quest, placing myself within central headquarters for sex as entertainment. Instincts are the lifeblood and knife's edge of so many things. I followed Coriander upstairs to a room without furniture. The carpeted floor was littered with random objects like what you'd expect in an out-of-control nursery. Chaos seemed reserved for this one room. I bent down and picked up an action figure. Do you have children, Coriander? Are they here? I asked. Coriander was stripping her clothes off. No, but you can be my baby, she said in a whisper as she leapt at me. I can't wait for you to fuck me with that big, juicy dick, she said, pinning me against a closet door and undoing my belt. I have to stress that she didn't have a gender. This was beyond trans. She was a robot Frankenstein of undeveloped ideas, holes and bumps, dripping and wheezing. Her cold claw had my zipper down and there was old bitty thub in her clutch. She moaned with false sincerity. I felt powerless. My clothes were off in a magical instant. I pushed Coriander onto a pile of random junk and rubbed myself on her strange, wet orifices. Oh, stranger, she pretend gasped. Are you going to fuck me? I penetrated her strange holes, giving each one a try to see how they felt. They were each different and wild. One seemed to pull on me like a vacuum. Another had a tongue, yet it was certainly no mouth. Coriander overdid herself, screaming out in pleasure, and I lost myself in the novelty of her incomprehensible anatomy. I turned variously with excitement, seeking a new route to pleasure. I felt almost giddy, losing my sense of self entirely. At one point, I picked up a toy tambourine from the junk pile and shook it. There were clown horns, and we honked them as we rolled over the debris. She had tears in her eyes and a pained grimace formed on her face. Her many holes clamped down tight. Suddenly, quite unlike myself, I worried that I might be handling her too rough. After all, what was she? But her tears dissipated as soon as the thought entered my mind, and she moaned heavily, smiling an insane grin. Silken wetness and coiled heat came forth from her. I was like a steel beam melting red hot in her smelting cauldron. There was a pang of urgency in my erection unlike anything I'd felt before. It throbbed almost painfully as we fought to lay puzzle pieces into the wrong spots. My turn, she had said unexpectedly. She had unusual strength, placing me onto my side in one easy motion. Greasy stubs protruded from her limbs and she rubbed them down my back. She was oozing and went inside of me just as easily. My body was lubricated in alien body fluids like an inside-out engine. I was being ejaculated onto and into simultaneously. I was losing myself in ecstasy. She pulled me close. 
please, she said mockingly. Choke me. It was summer. I want you to choke me, Coriander said again with Summer's voice. She fell back onto the junk pile and I grabbed one of the clown horns as I straddled her. I slid into one of her enigmatic holes and I put my hands around her neck. I thought of Summer, trying not to see her final face. Coriander made grunting sounds and squeezed the horn, which made a loud honking sound. Oil shot into my eyes, stinging them. She had layers of muscular labia-like genitalia between which she placed the bulb of the horn and continued to honk it. I increased the grip around her neck, which was like an accordion of collapsing metal, applying fierce pressure. She squeezed the clown horn with each thrust of my hips. I experienced it all in slow motion, tears streaming down my face. That was when I realized Coriander was laughing. It was a deep, exaggerated belly laugh that rippled underneath me. I stopped, moving quickly away from her. I was sitting up on the carpet looking at this thing. I was horrified, brought back from the edge of ecstasy to unnerving reality. Did you come? She asked. What? I looked around me, terror-stricken. I wiped the tears from my face and stood up. I was struggling to put my clothes on over my wet body, but she remained laying on the floor. We had some good takes. I'm no director, but I think we made a pretty good movie, she said, smiling. It's up to the editors now. I stumbled out into the hallway and went hurriedly from room to room, looking inside for anyone else that might be there. I scanned the shelves looking for cameras and also in desperation for the book. I went through drawers and opened cabinets. Coriander eventually stood up and lackadaisically followed me. Where is it? I said. What? She said with a mocking smile. The fucking book. I'm not sure what you mean. Do you want to fuck again? No, I responded angrily. I was pulling things down and pushing things over. I was wondering why I had decided to come to this place after all. I was in the middle of accusing myself of innumerable forms of stupidity when another voice spoke out. Coriander, leave us, the person said. Standing with us in one of the many bedrooms of that suburban madhouse was an ordinary blonde-haired woman in her mid-thirties wearing a suit jacket and business skirt. Coriander immediately left the room without saying anything else. I was in an agitated state ooze and sweat seeping through my clothes. I had not heard this woman approach. It was as if she had been there the whole time. Do you know who I am? I asked. I don't know why. I have no idea. I don't want to know, but I know what you want. I stared at this woman. It's downstairs, she said, in the basement. I sighed and I followed her downstairs. Coriander was in the living room, sitting on a couch with her knees pulled up, fingering herself with both hands. The businesswoman opened a door, switched on the basement light, and we went down together the bare frame stairs into an unfinished room with dirt walls. The damp earthen smell was very strong. A single bulb hung from a cord in the middle of the room and bathed the space in soft yellow light. In the far corner, there was an old metal safe. The paint was peeling off. It was big and square and sunken slightly into the earth. 
With rehearsed precision, she turned the dial to unlock it, removing from inside a square white box, like something you would bring a cake home in. She opened the lid and I saw that inside was a large organ, I assumed human, moist in its fluids and vacuum sealed in plastic. This is not what I came for, I said, disgusted. Of course it is, she said. I found myself having lost my composure. I became aggressive and yelled at the woman. I came for the fucking book. You know who I am. You know what I came for. Where's the fucking book? Take heart then, she said, a thin smile on her closed lips. She shut the lid and held the box outstretched before her. On the train headed for home, I sat up straight, holding the box on my lap, stinking of inordinary sex, staring at the other passengers with malice, daring them to say anything. Thank you.